This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I am Jonathan. And, and Ramon is present. And I didn't want to say I told you so, but I did tell you so. I'm afraid to say. NDZ was the best thing that could have happened to this country in a long time. We and the ANC blew it. We don't know that for sure. Uh, so you're railing against Cyril, which uh, is a fair thing to do. Uh, if you're one of our overseas listeners, this is going to be a very South African-based podcast. But you would have seen in your news lately that... Uh, South Africa has decided to do silly things like expropriate land without compensation. Uh, so it might be relevant because you may soon have a whole bunch of new immigrants in your country uh, when the economy here collapses. So perhaps listen. Uh, yeah, you did say you would prefer NDZ uh, as the candidate for the ANC to come out of the December conference. Yes. I said I would prefer Cyril. Uh, you felt that someone who would be basically corrupt and, and thieving would be better than someone who had an actual fixed ideology. Well, yes. That fair? Well, absolutely. So you have someone like, like, okay, assuming NDZ was the proxy for Jacob Zuma, she was someone, uh, who would carry on with the corruption and the state capture and the looting, uh, and then, you know, have some platitudes about, uh, you know, radical economic transformation and things mm. like that. The best thing about Jacob Zuma is that when he said something, you knew he was lying. When he said, we must restore the dignity of our people through radical economic, you, no one believed him. Even those people who believe in radical economic transformation. Yeah. When Cyril says it, people believe him and Cyril himself believes it as well. Uh, so, First thing, just because the man Look, speaks I, I, better, yeah. wears a suit, and he's a billionaire, it does not make him your friend. No, I it agree with make, that. It does not make him a capitalist. It does not make him a good policymaker. And second of all, he's got now the EFF and the ANC are in bed in, you know, due to this one proposal. Uh, people say, yeah, 4D chess is outmaneuvering the EFF. Uh, no, the ANC took this motion at their conference and they're forging ahead with it. I mean, what's, what Cyril wants is BE writ large. He wants state owned, uh, farms given, you know, given to, uh, BE, uh, candidates, obviously in government, and have massive deals with international conglomerations for for produce. That's all this is. That's what he wants. That's Absolutely. not what he's going to get. Well, we'll see. No one knows what we're going to get. Yeah. So we. So that's also the point. I, look, I I still would. Uh, here's the problem: is given the choice between Cyril and NDZ, I'm not sure you don't get to this point with NDZ. <coughs> the reality is that the uh, top six of the ANC are split. You have basically half a Ramaphosa faction, half a um, Zuma faction at that conference uh, proposed by many of Zuma's acolytes actually was this uh, policy and forwarded at that conference. Perhaps, I'm not sure we end up in a, in a different place, but it's difficult to perhaps, say. But would EFF ever voted with them? So that's, that's, a, that's a, fair, a fair question. But I think the EFF 
and as you know, we've been saying for years, I, when I, for Julius first left the ANC, I said he would return one day as an NEC member, ultimately to become the president of the party. Uh, so that's still to happen, but uh, everyone kind of knows that this has been on the cards. At some point, the EFF is going to vote with the ANC to change the constitution, assuming they have enough power to do so, and they do. So they've, they've, they've clearly done that. Now, the next question is, well, maybe we shouldn't get there. Maybe we should, we should explain what the big problem is with the, the entire policy. Because um, I was going to say the next question is, how will it form out in an actual amendment to the Constitution and whether it will, it will get there? But perhaps we should because uh, we seem to be, and I, I don't mean to blow smoke up our ass, but we seem to be the, one of the few media shows in this country who has any grasp of how absolutely devastating and dangerous um, this is. I think that's a bit unfair. I mean, there's, there's been a hell of a lot of articles since that motion that says how devastating it is um, from all sides. Uh, a former uh, former guest, Wendile Sishlobo, wrote a great piece about food security and, and how, and business expro- day. how expropriation will undermine that. Sure. There's been a few in Huffington Post, actually. Um, so, I haven't uh, seen any of the Huffington Post anti, but well, I mean, it's not like I go there, but I've seen it re- retweeted on my timeline. But I think people are waking up that uh, you know politicians have absolutely no skin in this game. Uh, it is what it is to me is a policy of the elites that they have to throw down to the masses. The masses don't really care, if I'm really honest, based on the data we we see with the IRR and all that. Land reform is not a major issue for most people. Nope. Um, it seems to be more of an issue for white people somehow, but they never voluntarily give up their land in for okay, that. Okay, so, so let me, let me, let me, uh, sort of clarify, because we were having a discussion before the show, and you mentioned that, you know, there was a, a an interview on ENCA with, uh, Ernst Rutz from, um, Free Forum, and, uh, the, the anchor, couldn't understand why this was infringing on property rights and didn't understand the concept of property rights because uh, property rights does not refer to land. It refers to every possible thing you can own, including intellectual property. Well, that's, that's, that's a section 25 clause. It's the property rights and people make a mistake because in, in the common vernacular, we use property as a term Our for land, land yeah. and residences, but property is everything. Your ideas, your IP, your car, your shoes, your shares, corporeal, incorporeal, Mm. all these things are property. So the state is trying to take away expropriation, that conversation. They're using the word land, but if they change the constitution, section 25, it is property. So they could expropriate basically anything. Yeah, absolutely. Without compensation. And that means they want the lovely discovery building in Santon. Oh. They can do it yeah. if this goes through. It seems like a good place to run the gulags from. I mean, only reasonable. It, 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 the problem is it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to get to that point. And then when you can take away people's land, if uh, people you don't like uh, say things about you or, or, or are doing stuff that you, you don't appreciate, well, you could do anything to them. You could take away their computer devices so that they can't do that anymore. Or right. I mean, the, 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 I mean, Julius came out afterwards and said, don't worry, we won't take your houses or factories. You just won't own the land, you know, on mm. which your dwelling yeah. be, exists. Um, one problem with that is once the government can control where you live, they can control a hell of a lot of other things. 
They can see who you, who's visiting you. They can look at what you are doing on your on the, well, in your house, right? Because they own it. Yeah. Uh, they can look at uh, what are you researching on the internet? What are you writing about? Who are you speaking to? That is devastating power. Hmm. Well, in the hands of the state. and it's been made. The point's been made before. If you remove property rights, you remove a number of other rights, including freedom of speech. Actually, well, so, property so rights. Everything are, else really. Everything flows from property rights. That's right. Absolutely everything. Uh, freedom of speech does. You know, nothing flows from freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. I, I I was at I was at the Madras court this morning doing some work, and um, I can't go there and say I've got a bomb. Leave me alone. Right. Or if you or serve me quickly, yeah, you are in someone else's property and you'll be removed. If you're in your own property, you're free to say whatever you want. If you're in my property, you're not free to say whatever you want. If you use the K word in my house, I'll throw you out, and I've done so before. It's your property because it's my fucking property. Yeah. In your property, you do whatever you want, but that's property rights are the fundamental right from which everything else flows. Yeah, so. That's my concern is that that hasn't been uh, reported enough and it, 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 the seriousness of this hasn't been said enough. And yes, the usual suspects are saying these things. The people you expect to say these things are saying them. You, the likes of uh, the um, liberals within the DA, you know, John Steenhuisen is saying the right things. Musi Mamani is even saying the right things. Um, uh, thank goodness Gwen and Gwenya is now a member of the DA and, and hopefully he's going to drive policy there and, and, and she's saying the right things. And, and by the right things, I mean the things that will sustain this country because it's not just my view. If you listen to the show, you feel that we're echoing what we believe. Uh, the reality is, is there are many instances in history where property rights are removed and it's a domino effect from there on. Yeah. So, so people, so there's two aspects to this. People character, they, they use examples. Look at, look at South Korea as an example. They had land reform and it's great. Yes. That land reform to remove land from the state to the private individual or juristic person. Uh, island is another example. It's a bit more complicated. Don't know too much about that, but it was the same effect. But most importantly, North Korea, I mean, North Korea, South Korea and Ireland are number nine and 13 on the World Economic Freedom Index. Mm. We're not even in the top 50. Yeah. So to assume that we would, first of all, this motion is against what those countries did. And second of all, we are not economically free. So it has no relevance to what those countries did in terms of land reform. Yeah, and look, I think, uh, and I've seen some of this misunderstanding on people's part. So there's there's obviously a lot of emotion around this. There's a lot of um, stupidity as well, where people are like, oh, your ancestors stole our land, give it back. Okay, so... We, I want to talk about that just now. Sure, yeah. we, we get into the whole collective debate. But um, the, the, the reality is that um, you, 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 you just... Oh, I've lost my train now because I was going on in the collective bit. But uh, you, right? Well, we'll talk about history. Yeah. Right. I mean, our history is not one of conquest. I was, sure. I was I was talking about the emotive side of things, and there's a lot of emotion with with all of this. But it, it's it's not leave the emotion aside. If you do this, 
the the effects are obvious of what then takes place in terms of uh, people having no confidence, people removing their money, moving, removing themselves from the country, investors removing themselves from the country. The, if you want to look at examples, you're using examples of, of countries like South Korea, countries like Ireland. Um, I don't think that those are the, the examples. The examples <laughs> are places like Venezuela. Uh, or, or Julius Nyerere's uh, Tanzania. Was he Tanzania? It, or Zimbabwe is a good example. I'm sorry. It's exactly the same principle. Yeah. And and I, I'm not sure you you got people like Nicholas Bauer denying that Zimbabwe is a good example. You, apparently, according to him, if you're using Zimbabwe as an example, you're not thinking properly. Um, I, I I just don't understand that approach to this. It's it's not dissimilar. It's the soft bigotry of low expectations. This time it's different. Um, the precedence of the ANC is one of corruption, power, racialism, but this time it's different. We can trust them with with expropriation. It's 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 highly romantic. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, let's just, uh, the, the, the other, sorry, the other point I was going to get to was about people's understanding of, um, restitution versus, um, appropriation, which is if there was land taken from people, uh, by force, uh, by violence, then those people need to be either compensated or get their land back. And I don't know if anyone here would disagree with that. And, be- we don't. No. If someone steals your property, your, if someone steals your television and you know where he lives and he's got your television, then the police or as part of the state, an organ of the state, should be able to go to that person's house, get your television back and bring it to you. Yeah. That is a perfectly reasonable thing. The problem we have is we seem to get lost in where people want to go with, well, the entire country was stolen yeah. versus having a reasonable discussion about parts that were stolen potentially um parts that were uh, won in battles and that's a lot more complex but, but we just need to think about it logically so okay i haven't done huge massive research according to wikipedia there was about eight to nine hundred thousand people in this country before jan van Riebeck, whatever that murderous bastard whatever julius calls him arrived nine hundred thousand people on the size of south africa that leaves a hell of a lot of arable land. Twice the size of Texas. Land, country. land that is not used, right? Um, our history is one of, of war, but it's one of trade, inheritance, mm. homesteading. Well, well, in fact, dispossession. Uh, the majority of land in this country, uh, moved between hands through negotiations and trade. It did not move. Well, and imperialism, yeah, between sure. the tribes, between tribes and things. Yeah. But in terms of, in terms of, let's let's talk about the the white, supposedly white owned land. Yeah. Much of that was uh, signed over in agreements in trade. Uh, in fact, there are in, some some people even have title deeds going back a few hundred years yeah. showing this. Yeah, before nineteen thirty land act. Sure. Another thing, the nineteen um, the the minister of something. He spoke for the ANC in the motion. He, he spoke about a, a certain John Dube. John Dube went to Britain to ask them to remove the 1913 Land Act. Mm. It is a British act. It wasn't the Afrikaners. It wasn't the National Party. It wasn't apartheid. The British put it in there. Yes, it was co-opted later by the Afrikaners. But those British people who inputted it there never lived here. Yeah. Yeah, 
So a lot of complexity to the debate, and perhaps perhaps we need to have someone in who who we'll has get a historian who has a lot more a lot more knowledge on all of these specifics. Uh, but I I do think uh, that there's not enough understanding of restitution versus um, expropriation. The other point yeah. to make is that our wonderful government, who as you point out, can't organise a piss up in a brewery or can't organise electricity from a power station, uh, literally, they they have spent the last 20 odd years uh, trying to expropriate land with compensation. There is a budget, a specific budget funding for this, uh, several billions of rands, um, far less than what they spend on some other things. Yeah, but, which is tiny compared yeah. to what they spend on. But, yeah. but, but there is there's, there's funding towards this um, and it, it's been a colossal failure, and it's it's mainly been a colossal failure. If you speak to people but like Wandele, it has been a colossal failure, though. Well, the problem is is the bureaucratic uh, uh, tape. So it's not the giving of the land or getting the land back to people. I think that that if you get to that point, then that part isn't necessarily a failure. Um, the but in terms of actually getting to the point, it seems to have been very manipulated by politics. Who knows who. Um, who can, uh, who has the money and the means to, to get to the point of saying that farm over there. And as far as I understand, the state doesn't actually give you title to yeah. your claim. They, yeah. they give you custodianship. Well, they, they, they still own the place and you're allowed to run it for well, whatever purpose. As, as, as far as I know, that is correct and, and, <laughs> and is in line with basically the socialist view of, of, of this government, which has always been their view. Uh, it's, it's, so what I'm trying to understand, so will, so the billions of rands that we spent on land restitution is for naught because now the state will own that land again. Well, uh, so everything we've done for 24 years means absolutely nothing. Well, what should be interesting is that, and as we know from the data from StatSA, uh, the black middle class in this country is larger than the white middle class in terms of absolute number. Sure. Uh, so when you go to those, it's around 7 million people. And when you go to those 7 million black people who have worked for everything that they have, they have started businesses. Oh, by the way. They are in corporate. Of, of which 66% own their property outright with no bond. Only 43% of whites do that. All so right. the black middle class have so, full ownership so, so let's, let's to a large degree. Let's roughly take numbers. We've got around 7 million of them, uh, of, of black middle class people. Yeah. Uh, about a thir- two thirds of them own their land. So you're looking at it somewhere around four, four and a half million people yeah. who own their properties. Without debt. Now, now what the government is saying is that the land will become the government's. In other words, these people who have worked for their land and, uh, who have paid off their bonds and whatever else they, they needed to do to, to get to where they are, uh, will no longer own their land either. And I think that could be the biggest benefit for this not to happen, in my opinion. Unlike the rest of, of Africa, we actually have quite a strong black middle class who I've, perhaps, I, I don't know, I don't know. Anecdotally, I feel that they have a semblance of the importance of property rights because the problem with, with Africa generally has been the, the, the opportunity cost is so low mm. because you know, poverty is ubiquitous. Nothing to lose. There's no, there's, there's no upside. So anything that sounds like an upside, people will heartily go into it. Um, cause there's nothing to lose here in South Africa. I think there is a lot to lose for, for a fair amount of people who control a lot of capital and political power. Being the black middle class. That's my 
Yeah. That's my, my, that's my intuition. My biggest concern in all of this is, is of course, we, we're having these kinds of debates. We're saying, well, the black middle class might not allow this to proceed. Uh, you've got someone like Zelda Lachranji on, on Twitter saying that, you know, she knows Cyril as a man. And as a man, he will not allow this to happen. Um, you know, Cyril, who rode through the 12th gate of Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, um, who is uh, the Messiah that we all should praise. Um, the, the, my concern is that none of this might matter if they suddenly just go ahead with something. And, 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 and you might be going, well, they won't do that. But if I told you even a year ago that, you know, the, they tried to nationalize banks and they tried to national, this was an EFF proposal and they tried to nationalize mines. And some people in the ANC even were like, hmm, maybe we should do that. Um, and it never happened. And so we got, to an extent to ha- to be have this what turned out to be a false sense of security but it was at the time seemed like a reasonably secure place to be because on the evidence they'd given these ridiculous proposals before and nothing had come of it yeah and so on the evidence in front of you now where we now have a constitutional amendment pending basically uh to expropriate land without compensation it it literally could get to the point where a bill hits the desk of the president. He signs the bill, and that bill says something to the effect of, it's not people coming to your house or to your farm to take your farm. That might happen at some point. But it's he signs a bill that says, as of the 30th of April, all land in South Africa becomes government property. Um, and if that happens, it doesn't really matter what the black middle class does. It doesn't really matter what we think. It In that instance, in my view, and and once again, perhaps we should have an economist on the show, people like Russ and and Chris, um, to discuss this. But in my view, the entire economy then collapses in on itself. We we saw this in Zimbabwe once again. That's a good reference point where uh, the minute you threaten private property and you show that private property is in fact under siege – Everything just collapses. The entire economy collapses. The banks collapse. And then following the collapse of the banks, your inflation goes through the roof. Uh, and uh, and then it becomes difficult to do anything. It becomes difficult to borrow, difficult to feed the populace, well, etc. I mean, well, think about it. If that happens, I don't own our rent. But if that happens, my landlord will be worth three million rand less than yes. what he is today. Sure. Just with the flick of Cyril's pen. Mm-hmm. And that's the million market value. Yeah, that's one individual. It's got nothing to do with the transfer duty he paid when he bought it. It's got nothing to do with the improvements he made. It's got nothing to do with the rates of electricity he's been paying mm. for over the whatever, how many years he's owned the property yeah. that I'm renting from him. Just like that, he is worth three million rand less. If, if that is what you are willing to risk for this, so-called progressive agenda. You go ahead, my friend, but I'm not playing. I'm not taking part. Well, if you, if you and you multiply that out, you multiply that out by thousands upon tens of thousands millions upon millions, millions of households of households and people who. And let's be honest, most people put the majority of their wealth into their homes. Yep. And uh, if you literally dissolve their wealth overnight. Uh, you dissolve the wealth of the country, in yeah. fact. Well, I was driving to, as I said, I was at the Madras Court this morning. A Palm Ridge it was actually quite, quite a, a pleasant Madras Court for once. I was driving through Tokoza and Fos Larus, which I knew from 20 years ago. I used to drive through there to go to school. 
And back then it was like a proper shithole. Like, uh, you know, no jokes. I drove through this morning for the first time in about 15 years and I see literally like gated estates with, and on the sign outside the gated estate, there's a private school in there. There's like a shopping mall and it's obviously 90% black owned because it's, it's a literally, it's in the middle of the literal township, Mm. but it's it's grown to such a degree, and the amount of people who have gained property rights in the past 15 years in this country is unbelievable. I mean, we don't see it where we are because we live in built-up areas already that, you know, cannot be built upon. But outside, just on the outskirts of Joburg, the amount of improvements in infrastructure by people – and these are not RDP houses. These are private homes. Yeah, someone's you know? come in, built a property estate, and people in the area have bought. Yeah, and, 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 and on the way to the match court, every second house is a business. There's a mechanic. There's a driving school. There's an electronic store. All this didn't exist 15 years ago. The amount of wealth created over 15 years is actually astounding to me. And this will destroy all of that. All yeah. of it will be gone. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I made this point, which is, look, this happened and it, 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 you, you, as, as I was mentioning, you need to be so careful to, to try and not be too emotive about it and not freak out based on what you feel, but based on the facts that are presented in front of you. But historically, this has been done in other places. It does not work. It never works. And if you think about South Africa what will happen as a result of it? So, take take myself as an example. Um, if they if they go ahead with this policy and our economy collapses, I will lose pretty much all of my wealth. Um, I don't uh, rent; I have a bond, but uh, <laughs> whatever I have is is mostly in in that. Uh, it, or most of your other items will become worth nothing anyway because you can't sell them in a collapsed economy. So, you can't sell your car, for example. Yeah. Um, so I will lose a lot, but I am a relatively wanted commodity. I can probably jump a border somewhere or get on a plane. Let me tell you what someone's – someone writes uh, – an anarchist friend of mine writes this on Facebook, which mm. I found profound. He says, you know, for, for this um, motion to pass, it is it is extremely – and you know, the for the white population, it, it creates anxiety. For the black, For the black population, it's – it's sheer hell. Yeah. This so, is, this is, this is pure devastation. And even for blacks, let's not take it on race. Let's just look at it as a socioeconomic thing. If you have a skill, if you, whether you're black, whether you're white, if you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an accountant, you're in the corporate world, right? There is a fair chance that if everything goes to shit, you will hurt and you will be hurt badly. But there, there is a very good chance that you'll be able to get on a plane and go somewhere. And you, they will accept you because you have a skill. And so you're a skilled immigrant. And it'll be shit and you will have lost a lot of your wealth and you'll probably work a lot longer than you would have and all the rest of it. But you will have something to go to. Yeah. The majority of people in this country who do not make up that middle class, so our middle class is probably in the region of 12 to 14 million people, they will have nowhere to go. This is the southernmost tip of the continent. They cannot go south into the ocean. They cannot go north into the failed state that is Zimbabwe or Mozambique. 
Botswana, I don't think, can absorb that many people. I might be wrong. Or they wouldn't want to. Um, Or they might not want to. They may very well decide we're closing. We're actually going to have border control, and Namibia may view it the same way. I don't see that many people have a means of getting out. And so what happens is is you plunge the country into despair. And, And just a side point about farming, this idea that you can repossess farms and then just change the people and they can do the same thing. Farming is an unbelievable skill. I think I am relatively intelligent. If you gave me a farm to run, I would probably destroy it within the matter of weeks. It would have no output because I have no idea what I am doing. And this is stuff, you know, agriculture is something you can study, but it's also very often something that's passed through generations. Um, I had a good friend many years back whose whose family did citrus farming up near Sunin. And, you know, he he knew a lot about farming and he had never been to farming school. But since he was a boy, his father had taught him about farming. And um, he came and studied a BA with me, but he he ultimately ended up as a farmer um, and a successful farmer. And and that's not something that just happens because you have land. Mm. That's, 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 That's a known skill. So... If the idea is, well, you know, like I see a lot of animosity towards the Boers, as an example, you know, because they're the, the archetype of the land invaders, um, which, as we say, is historically incorrect. But, but there's a lot of animosity towards those people. I, I don't think we are appreciative enough that those people literally feed us. And without probably a few hundred farms – um, we would all of us would be in a in big trouble. Yeah, I mean that's more of a utilitarian argument. Um, I, I'm just taking it just purely on humanity. Um, mm. If you have a section of the population that that is murdered and raped and violated to to that degree, such as the the farmer mm. of all races, by the way, a quarter of all farm murders are black farmers or farm workers, um, and we don't think that's a problem. You lack humanity. You 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 don't deserve to be a citizen of a liberal demo- well, a so-called liberal democracy such as us. The fact that they feed us is, is to me is more ancillary. To to hate people based on what they do or what, what your or what your perception of them is. Mm. Um, yeah, it's beastly, beastly behavior. And and unfortunately, what I think is the quest for revenge mm. is far greater than any negative externality of this uh, policy. I think people just want revenge. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that quickly because that's a, that's a separate thing, but it's, it's important in terms of the divisive nature of, of, of this type of rhetoric, of this policy. Today, uh, you'll be hearing this will be a few days old already, but uh, we saw Judas um, again making racist and, and violent remarks, this time saying that he was going to slit the throat of the white man. That was in reference to Ethel Trollope. Uh, yes, he will say he was being metaphorical uh, in terms of removing him as the mayor. But it, it's not like he doesn't have a track record sure. uh, in, 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 in making no, but quite… But he, he often he says this is the time we can take away uh, you know, stolen land from these criminals, yeah. i.e., White landowners. Um, to 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 assume that he's talking about black farmers is obviously so. So, so back to what you said, which is which is forget the externality of taking away a farm and what that ultimately does to the country, our ability to feed ourselves, uh, but talking about what that does to the general 
psyche for want of a better word, what that does to the, to the, to the, and unity is a terrible word because it's, it's not, I, I'm, I don't buy this whole unity concept. We don't all believe the same thing. I very much support the individual. So it's not about us all being together, mm. but certainly it does so such division that there, there seems to be no purpose. Well, that's it for, for him. That's what Julius wants. Julius just wants to be the center of attention because he knows very well that EFF, you know, won't grow much more than it really has. And he's just being extremely divisive uh, on purpose and he's creating an enemy and he's creating a boundary. He's signaling to his tribe that this is what we believe and anyone who doesn't is an enemy of the tribe. And people are far more willing to be uh, what is what is that phrase? Isaiah Berlin once said, "It's far easier to be destroyed by one's tribe than to be treated benevolently by those outside the tribe." Something to that effect. Oh yeah, people, yeah, yeah. yeah the other people, way around, but yeah. Well, they were just said the other way around, but yeah, right, something, something yeah. like that. Mm. Uh, so people will will live and die it, for a belief system yeah. of the tribe. You rather, you rather want you want approval from your own, yeah, rather than to uh, go against your own and do the right thing. Yeah, uh, and this is not this, and this is not not a question of race or anything like that. If you go to America and you and you tell a Republican that um, you know a Democrat senator believes in this, the Republican will be against it. Then you tell the Republican a Republican senator believes in this, the Republican will change his mind immediately. And it's not just a question of he's thought about it. No, it's just that the leader of my tribe believes it, so I must believe it. It's a very well-known oh, hypothesis in, in social psychology. in America right happening right now on, on gun control. <laughs> you know, gun control, yeah. uh, you've got one side, uh, you know, the Democrats are going, take away all the guns, basically. That's their end goal. Um, and they're being pretty open about it. Uh, and they're letting the children say it, of course, the, the sweet children. Um, and then on the other side, you've got the Republicans, um, you know, hardcore conservatives are saying we're not having any conversation whatsoever. And we're, uh, and, and here is me, here's my membership that I've just re-signed up to the NRA and I'm also going to yeah. buy another weapon. You know, when, when that, when you've got that type of polarization, uh, it, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for, uh, progress. And, and it's not to talk about being progressive. It's just, yeah. uh, you want, you want a group, you, you want the country to roughly be on the same page. In, in a general sense. Well, I don't think, I don't think beliefs have anything to do with it. I just want people to, uh, and they do, and, and here's the problem, Jonathan. A large majority of the country don't give a shit about expropriation without compensation. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you do polling, over 80% won't give a shit at all. Yeah. Uh, they would rather just understand, they understand what they require, which is socioeconomic stuff, job, education, security, food on the table, sure. things like that. The, the problem is you've got the intransigent elites in parliament who use this as a means to gain power and they are using it to – and then they need to convince the so-called masses to adopt it. So then people start adopting it, tribe, tribe mentality. But if, if Julius, for example, didn't – if no one said land reform or land restitution after 94, do you think any, anyone would actually care? I don't think so. Yeah, it's it, you know it's we've said it before where we say the average person wants to wake up in the morning, you know, take the kids to school, uh, go to work, do their job, come home, have a dinner, occasionally go and do something recreational, uh, live in their home, 
make their home what they want it to be. They, these larger general issues are not uh, the purview of, of average people. They, they, they really aren't. Um, and that's, I think that goes across socioeconomic classes. Absolutely. Um, the, obviously, my concern is, is whether all those people are at all realize the level of danger this poses. And so normally they would ignore what the politicians do, as, as a lot of people do. I, I'm sure we've both been at dinner tables where we want to yeah. talk politics and people are like, just shut up. Like, we don't want to talk about that. So, and you know, they want to talk about whatever else they want to talk about, something we might not like, um, the latest Kardashian uh, debacle. Yeah, or Netflix um, show. Yeah. So um, that's fine. But in this case, I'd, I just get the sense that it's not something that can be ignored. It's not something that the average person can take flippantly because it's, it, it is going to ultimately affect everyone. No, this is the first, in my opinion, this is the first policy in 24 years that will really negatively affect everyone in the, well, everyone, everyone except the, the, the elites. Yeah. Um, Ju- really, Julius won't suffer. The, the no. heads of the ANC won't no. suffer, and, and Cyril won't suffer because he's still building his 100 million rand house in Cape Town, despite wanting expropriation without compensation. So he knows he's safe, uh, and that's the problem. These people have no skin in the game whatsoever. They are not responsible for the downsides of this policy, and they won't suffer the consequences of this policy. The, this, the suffering will be subsidised by all of us, and. When we finally, you know, when South Africans finally get tired of suffering, these people will be long gone in Dubai or dead or be billionaires, you know, somewhere else in the yeah. world. They won't suffer at all. Yeah. We will. Yeah. <sighs> all right. So that's, that's on a depressing point. Are there any upsides in your view? Um, is, is there a chance that this will go through? I see someone today making the point, oh, well, the, the actual policy adopted wasn't the EFF's wording. It was the ANC's wording from their conference, which makes no difference in my opinion because once you mess with private property, you mess with private property. Um, but is there, you know, is there anything that makes you go, well, maybe this will stop at some point? Um, I think they're quite intent on doing something. Yeah. What, what the final form will be, I don't know. This is one of the latest harebrained ideas, you know, from these political elites. Mm. They had like the hate speech bill where you could go to jail if you call a lawyer yeah. like a bit of a cunt and or something. The protection of then state had, information. Yeah, you know, where they wanted to have a media tribunal. That didn't go anywhere. That the expropriation bill. That didn't go anywhere. They've had a lot of these harebrained ideas to limit freedom and to limit the constitutional rights generally that have never gone anywhere. So the one upside and listeners, please, this is your chance to make representations and to speak up, go to the parliament, go to the public sessions and fucking say what you want to say. That's what it's there for. Don't think that you're immune from, you know, we don't care about regular mining regulations because we're not miners. Right? We don't care about uh, farming regulations because we're not farmers. This will affect you. This yeah. is the first broad policy that will affect every single South African except for the politician who proposes it. So this is your chance to galvanize the troops, metaphorically, go to Parliament and make some representation. Yeah. Tell them it's a bad fucking idea. <laughs> and, and then number and, two, and, buy a gun. Yeah. All right. So, so, okay. Let, before wait, before we get on, right. before we get onto that, because I actually want to do, I do want to talk about that, and I do want to talk about the potential for violence here. 
Um, I think that's a good point about, about making some sort of representation. I think people might say, well, do they ever listen to that kind of stuff and do they, do they take it into account? I think what you, what you might find in this instance and happy to be corrected by the lawyers and constitutional experts, but if, if there's enough um, blowback at a sort of public hearing, on all of this, when it ultimately ends up at the constitutional court, that may end up being part of the consideration of the constitutional court. Um, I'm not sure how the arguments get entered. Um, but, no, it's, but, more, it's, it's, it's more at a, at a parliamentary level. But I mean, if, if you are strident enough, I mean, the Free Market Foundation and a few others went against the hate speech bill. And that, that was buried very quickly after representations sure. were done. What, what I'm saying is, is when you end up at that level, if they think it, it's not going to pass for some reason or it won't get through the way it's, it is currently worded, we have seen movement on, on that before in some sense um, in reaction to sort of public sentiment. Right. Uh, and, and so I think that's a very good point that you, that you did make. Let's talk about guns quickly because uh, we have a new police minister uh, who's the old police minister – no, um, old police commissioner. Yes, sorry, the old police commissioner. Um, and he's obviously famous for um, telling his police officers to shoot to kill, uh, which seemed to happen this past week uh, down in the yes. Eastern Cape, yeah, was it? Some, some godforsaken place. Um, so so he, he's, he's quite an authoritarian, certainly the way he speaks. Um, a lot of people think he's more competent because they want their police to be hardcore, you know, until it's you facing the barrel of the police's gun yeah. and you haven't done anything wrong. Then we'll see how hardcore you want the police to be. Uh, basically, they should follow the rule of law. But what he's turned around and said is that we need to disarm. This is a direct quote. We need to disarm people in South Africa. Uh, and to prevent, yes, to prevent police yes, getting shot in their police station by crazed Cults, cultists who wanted to steal weapons. Yeah, if you don't know the story, basically, uh, a whole bunch of uh, men walk into a police station down in the Eastern Cape, uh, and they – sorry, I forget the name of the village. Do you, do you recall? Gobo. Cool. Uh, and they walk into this police station, and they basically gun down five policemen dead. Everyone sitting in the police station basically dies. Uh, and nobody knows what the hell has happened. Obviously, nobody should be able to really walk into a police station and do that. Certainly it's possible, but you would think the police would at least fire back a little bit and there would be some sort of bloodbath on both sides. Didn't happen that way. Uh, subsequently, a couple well, of… Well, they stole weapons from the police yeah. station. That was the <clears throat> subsequently, a, 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 I think almost a week later, um, or two weeks later… Two days later. Well, no, it wasn't that. It was that short. Yeah. They raid, we get, we get notified, the journalists start writing the story about how the police have gone to basically this church uh, and this rural sort of church and they have raided this rural sort of church and they've killed seven or eight men um, who they claim were responsible for the murder of the police. Um, very weird story that this church was apparently kind of a cult type of situation and these people had weird sort of views and beliefs on the government and, 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 and people who weren't part of the cult. Uh, does sound a little bit execution style because eight people just dying um, in, in, a, a, police in raid, a police raid. And not one policeman's injured or killed. No policeman injured and none of the people are like – None of them have wounds that don't kill them. They all like two to the body, one to the head is a little bit weird. Um, but following from this, 
uh, we need to make sure that uh, all other South Africans are disarmed because so that they can't walk into police stations and murder policemen uh, with probably what was illegal weapons anyway. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's the latest rhetoric uh, from an authoritarian authoritarian state, uh, and that's my problem with uh, with these sort of with these sort of people. Uh, the police have been th- accused and found out that you know uh, people had this amnesty period where they could um, bequeath or donate their arms to the state, which, which weren't registered or whatever. Yes, which weren't registered, and they did so in the millions. And a hell of a lot of those guns that were confiscated by the state found, you know, they found themselves in weird places like the cave flats in the homes of gangsters. Uh, and we found out that a certain Colonel Prince Lou, I believe it was, uh, were selling these arms to gangsters. Uh, and these gangsters obviously killed people and did all sorts of things with them. Um, to assume that private firearm ownership causes crime in this country is, is so ridiculous as to be, it's a complete fairy tale. So we know very well, so we know very well Becky is not interested in in evidence, mm. not interested in facts. He's just another authoritarian blowhard. And he wants to disarm well, and and let's be fair, right <laughs> after the motion of expropriation yes, without compensation, point. he says we should disarm the South African public. So that means he doesn't want us to defend ourselves against criminals and nor against the state, because the state knows best and they know very well if they do expropriate People are going to fight back, and he wants to disarm us before that happens. That's yeah. my view. So, as getting and exactly getting back to that point of violence, will this end in violence? Well, it very well might. Um, it's actually could be argued that it's one thing that might prevent a little bit of more of the chaos. Is like you said, you talk about skin in the game. Yep. If you want to go and repossess someone's farm, if there is a risk of having your head blown off, you might think about that twice. Uh, but if you pass law to take away people's private property, including their land, and you then pass law to take away their arms, uh, well, there's, and um, you know, I'll, I'll go straight there. This is uh, basically what the Nazis did. Um, well, every authoritarian regime has done so in the past. Sure, well, it's a, it's the best way to enslave people. Yeah, you take you 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 say you own nothing and you can't defend yourself right. in any way. And here's the difference between a communist in in South Africa and someone like Bernie, a social democrat like Bernie Sanders. Right? Yeah. Bernie Sanders is up against wealthy, entrenched. Even if you call him socialist. If Bernie Sanders had to try to do this in America, it would never pass. People would just laugh at him in his face because there's too much to lose from most of the population. Well, here, people don't have that much to lose. That's why it might pass. But that's why if you had a Julius Malema in America or in England, they would be laughed at. They would be seen as a relic of the past, some weird schizo commie who you know like jeremy corbyn if jeremy corbyn becomes prime minister tomorrow england will be exactly the same maybe slightly poorer in five years to give to give context though i mean julius malema is essentially jeremy corbyn but on like cocaine he's permanently. Da- he's, uh, he's david duke yeah he, he he's, he's a kkk sure, member he's, he's black yeah um he's a hate preacher and an ethno-nationalist he's his louis farrakhan with power you know, the one who thinks that melamine is like the 
the you know bequeathed by the gods and the Jews you know melanin. drink melanin whatever and the Jews drink babies' blood to remain alive forever like like that's exactly who he is he's a kooky hate preacher who happens to be a politician so people take him seriously that's all he is yeah all right so uh, it might be worth considering getting a gun uh, is what Ramon is alluding to. But even if we weren't facing this, I would argue you need, you need a gun in South Africa. This is Africa, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to think that this is Cape Townians. We're not living in Chicago. We're not living in Hawaii. You can learn about the quality of your espresso at Jamie's fucking bakery bullshit. But when the shit, as the Joker said, when the vestiges of civilization fall around you, you're going to be eaten alive. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not dooms, uh, just generally speaking. But this is a precarious situation. For the first time in many years, I'm quite apprehensive about yeah. the future. Because generally, it hap- if if things happened, it was far away from me. Or it was corruption, stealing money. I don't give a fuck. Mm. That's fine. I expect that. But when they want to take away the most fundamental rights that you have for no compensation, that's when you get my heckles raised. Yeah, and I think uh, you echo... What a lot of people are feeling. Uh, I think many people are quite anxious and do feel that this is the first uh, breach of uh, of of rights that is beyond the line. So we've crossed the red line. Yeah, so there was a negotiated settlement in '94. This shit all over it. Yeah, and people don't like being shut on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and as I say, people will not like the effects of this even worse. No, I'm not proposing violence. I'm not proposing anything. I'm proposing galvanizing the troops, going to parliament, do it through legal processes. But it's not within my, my jurisdiction to decide how other people will react. Mm. I'm very reasonable to this. But I don't, I don't own a farm. I don't have a farm through inheritance. I don't have five generations of family living in this country. i got a EU passport. I could go tomorrow, but I'm not. Other people don't. This is the only thing they have, and they're not going to go away quietly. That's all. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So uh, I am very much in that boat. I have no other passports. I am South African, much as some people on Twitter love to remind me that I'm somehow not. Um, and yeah, this uh, what I have in this country is all I have. Mm. I also do not own land, and I think I speak for many people who's who the bank owns their land, frankly. Yeah. Um, and there's there's sort of a part of me that when I get a bit despondent, I'm like, you know, maybe maybe South Africa deserves this. Maybe you need to eat that fucking medicine. Well, it was, um, but I, I know that the extent, but I know that there's it'll affect a hell of a lot of people that don't need it. So it was an interesting comment. Uh, I'm just trying to remember um, who, who it was made by on on, on Twitter. Um, are you dying? You know what? If you want to become a medical uh, experiment. experiment, send your kid to <laughs> fucking nursery school. Oh. So Gordon Hill Lewis, um, who's a DA parliamentary, um, I think he's a member of parliament. Uh, he uh, he mentioned on Twitter that this is uh, one way to make South Africa a liberal country, which is. Uh, you know, follow through on all of this. You ultimately plunge it into absolute devastation and, and poverty. And on the other end of that, what you come out with is a whole bunch of people yeah. who go never again. But I don't think that has um, ever been the case. Well, in other places, uh, sort of. You 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 can get away. 
what usually happens is you you get a bit of a mix and a sometimes a swing to the opposite end. No, so no, what you get you see is, this in the Eastern Bloc countries. I mean, right? what you get is that the party that adopted this policy becomes rattled. They they still get power. They get power. It becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. You get reformists within that party that comes out as the hero. Oh, sounds like Cyril, and that hero. Then reforms the party to become so the, so-called liberal. Sure, depend, dependent. Look at I mean, Deng, in, look in, at all those people. Sure, and in Africa we've got plenty of examples. Although, if I think about the Eastern Bloc countries, they're virulently anti-Marxist and anti-communist and anti-immigrant. Yeah, um, but they've also swung quite far right uh, in yes. many of in many in many yeah. ways in rejection to that. So it doesn't necessarily breed liberalism. It might just breed the opposite, or you might. Oh, sure. Get a sort of um, the horseshoe, the effect. horseshoe effect, yeah. Mm. Absolutely, uh, but I don't, I don't want listen. I don't want to suffer ten years of shit for people to become liberals. Well, no, Fuck one, that. but you aren't going to, right? You, this is what I was saying. You're not. You're not going to tolerate it. No, like you say, you could go, but you don't because you you like it here and you, this is your home. I love um, it here. And uh, and the, but the truth is, is there? Everyone has their breaking point. Um, and why do we need to get there? Exactly. Um, you're a contributing member of the society. You pay your taxes, and you now pay your increased VAT. Um, you know, and uh, you're you're going to raise a kid to be a, a decent human being to the rest of her society, and who will also be a contributing member of the society. And uh, why do we want to destroy that on uh, mass? Well, we don't. Certain people do, and they hold the power. So, voters. The ball is in your court. Um, <laughs> that's why I say don't vote, but here you go. That's why people, that's why we're in the shit, because people vote. <laughs> All right. Anarchist discussion another time about voting. Again, maybe we can hit on that. Uh, let's call it for today. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, last thoughts. Use this opportunity to make yourself heard. It's really, if you want to be on the show, if you got new and interesting ways of fighting this, Come join us with pleasure. Go to Parliament, form organizations, form networks. Yeah, the, 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 other thing, the other thing I want to say is um, there's a lot of there's a lot more silence than I think uh, is warranted here in terms of just the general uh, discussion that's going on. Uh, so if you don't want to go to Parliament, don't go to Parliament. Maybe you don't have the time. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe you're not particularly a public speaker. Then contribute to AgriSA. Contribute to AfriForum. Contribute do, to Free Market Foundation because they will do that work for you. Or the IRR equally. Or, or, IR. or even simple stuff. Sit down with – when you're having conversations with people that you know, uh, discuss this. Discuss this and why you think it's a bad idea. Tell them it's a bad idea. Hmm. Get the word out there because – Exactly what you were saying before, which is that most people don't focus on this kind of politic as they deal with the problems they have in their daily lives, which are their own issues. They don't, that's not stuff that involves any of us, the government, etc. Um, but it's important, I think, that everyone actually gets on board with this and everyone is as concerned and as focused on making sure that uh, we actually avoid disaster. Absolutely. We're on the precipice. Ramaposaphoria is officially over, I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm glad to say I told you so, but I'm not glad to say I told you so. Number one, don't trust people with asking you in the game. Number two, don't fucking vote, please. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. Well, next time around, you might need to vote really, really hard, even though I'm not entirely happy with the official opposition currently, but a discussion for another time. 
Uh, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate your support. If you would like to support the podcast, if you have any money left after the tax increases this past time, uh, we would like uh, you to support us on Patreon. You can find us there. We do appreciate all of you who are supporting us already. Uh, you can find us on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook. You know where to go. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.